0: And it is Jesus that makes today truly glorious. Welcome to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church. Today, Pastor Elliot begins to preach Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. He will first give a quick review of Romans 6, 14. It's true, your biggest problem is you. And now... With this message for today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Do you know what my biggest challenge is, personally? That's easy.
1: It's me. My biggest challenge is me. Because I want to live in my flesh. I want to depend on myself. I'm not naturally going to let the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of me to control me. So my biggest challenge is me. And maybe you all can relate to that as my brothers and sisters. I hope that you'll recall that sanctification is defined as God's work of setting believers apart for his own possession and use. Sanctification is God's work of setting you as a believer apart for his possession and use. And further, I hope that you'll remember that we've taught you that there are three stages to this sanctification work of God. First of all, at salvation, sanctification is positional. First Corinthians one two is an example to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. Saints by calling. So there is a sense in which God's work of setting you apart as a believer in his son for his possession and his use is positionally complete. You have been sanctified in a sense. But there's another dimension to sanctification, not just at salvation but after salvation. This is experiential or progressive sanctification. John 17:17 17, 17 in Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer For us, before the cross, he said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That's a process. That's why we study the Bible individually. That's why we study the Bible in our nuclear family units. That's why we study the Bible in the incredible body of Christ, because we are progressively, experientially sanctified as we give proper attention to the scriptures as we memorize them as we study them as we let them arbitrate in our decisions and our speech and our actions and so there's a sense in which sanctification is completed positionally at conversion but there's an equal sense that sanctification is not yet done that we are experiencing more sanctification hopefully with time it's progressive it's underway And last stage of sanctification is the ultimate completion of sanctification, which is glorification. When we see Christ face-to-face, either through physical death or through rapture, then sanctification is perfected, completed. This is the ultimate stage of sanctification. This is what God is working to do for you if you are born again, and he won't fail. He will present you one day before himself, spotless and without reproach. And so sanctification, God's work of setting a believer apart for his own possession and use, has a positional completed sense, an experiential not yet completed sense, and an ultimate glorification one day sense. Now, we're going to be in Romans 7, 1 to 6, but I'd like you to turn to that neighborhood, but stay in a little different street. Go to Romans uh, 6, verse 14. We have preached this previously, uh, but just by way of a very, very quick review, Romans 6, verse 14. That summary verse on the passage about being united with Christ and what it means for sanctification, Romans uh, 6, 14 says, For sin, singular, the law of sin and death, for sin shall not be master over you, Why? For you are not under law, but under grace. This verse essentially is saying to us, Christian, sin shall not be master over you. Sin does not have to be your boss. The law of sin and death, the principle that pulls you down into sinning, doesn't have to be your boss. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. You and I are not any longer under law's authority anymore. Instead, we are under God's amazing grace and under God's authority. And this is marvelous. Now watch this. Since we live under grace, since we live under grace, the law of sin and death should not be our master anymore. But can I tell you something? My little secret. Even though... I'm under God's grace and its authority sometimes sin masters your pastor don't look at me that way it's true for each of us right even though we have been delivered from having to be in bondage to the law of sin and death sometimes we re-engage ourselves with the law of sin and death and we sin we're not sinlessly perfect that awaits glorification this morning, in God's word, we're going to see that the beloved Apostle Paul, the inspired human author of 60% of the New Testament, was in the same boat as us. Back then, his flesh wanted to capitulate, to reengage with the law of sin and death. And back then, the great Apostle Paul sinned, and we today are in the same boat of struggle against sin that Paul was back then. The Apostle Paul regularly battled and fought off the law of sin and death's downward pull on him after his conversion, subsequent to being saved, after his road to Damascus experience. And I've said to you before that those who contend that Romans chapter 7 somehow reverts out of chronological order to be describing Paul's struggle with sin before he was saved, I throw that out the window. I don't believe that for a minute. Romans chapter 7 for the Apostle Paul was a window of transparency to the readers of the inspired scriptures that he struggled with sin, just like we do. And now by way of preview in Romans chapter 7, we're going to see three things, a sermon for each. Three things we're going to see in Romans 7. First, a fact. We're going to see that today. Second, a shame. And third, a hope. Say that with me. A fact, a shame, a hope. Say it again. A fact, a shame, and a hope. Today, in verses 1 to 6 of Romans 7, we're only going to look at the fact of sanctification. Let's start with the facts. That's always a good thing to do in your Christian life, by the way, to let the facts of the scriptures be the engine on your train and your feelings to be the caboose. We get in trouble when we make our feelings the engine of the train. Don't do that. The facts are the engine of your train, and your feelings are the caboose. What does that mean? I don't feel love for my spouse anymore. I really don't care about your feelings. The fact is you're married. You made a covenant before God and witnesses. Until death you depart. Live on the fact, and your feelings will catch up. But if you let your feelings be the engine of your train, you're in a world of trouble. Because when that person at work says, oh, you really should divorce him. If you're working on your feelings, you're in deep weeds and you'll disobey God. But if you let the facts of Scripture inform how you view your marriage, your
0: feelings will come in line. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas. And today we want to talk about, continue talking about Jesus and culture and how Jesus wants us as believers to not just stay away from culture, but he wants us to make sure that we are interacting with the culture so that we can make a change in people's lives because we show them what it is to be like Christ. As we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at how Jesus himself made sure that he interacted with culture because he wanted to make sure that he set an example for us on how we should engage and interact with those around us. You see, we need to understand, as, as we have heard before, our sayings in the world, that we need to be in the world, but not of the world. These exact words don't appear in Scripture, but they are probably, as we think about the passage, we're going to look at as Jesus prays for his disciples as he knows he's going to be, Betrayed, and he knows that he's going to be on the cross, taken to the cross to die for our sins. He says a prayer that we need to understand that it's uh, called a high priestly prayer. And it's very important for us to understand as he prays for his disciples. And I want us to really understand because I think too many times even in our own lives as we consider how we think about culture, we are to try to stay away from things that we know that are going to engage us and cause us to engage in sin. But we need to understand that we need to interact with those because we are living in a lost world. We are living in a world that people will look at our lives and they will say whether or not we are born again or not. And Jesus called us to live a life that is holy. He called us to live a life that is set apart, that is different, that we be sanctified. And this morning we're going to look at John chapter 17, uh, starting at verse 13 to 19. It says, now I'm coming to you. And I speak these things in the world so that they have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Let me just stop there for a second as we consider these verses as Jesus is coming and he's talking to the Father. And he is saying, look, this is what I have done. People in this world, they do not like me because because I don't do the things of this world. And he makes it very clear that the only way we can find hope, the only way that we can find how we are to live in this world is through the word of God. And I think that so many times in our lives, we think that we can fight in our own or we think that we can um, stay away from temptation or we think that we can not interact with sin on our own. But the reality is that we can't. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. We need God to help us. We need God to guide us and direct us. And we need to understand that as we think about a call to holiness, to live a life that is different, that is pure, that we need to engage in God's word because God's word is the manual to our lives. God's word shows us what it is in our lives that we need to change. It shows us what the world has to offer and how we are to fight against what the world has to offer. And verse 14 says, I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. We have talked previously in in sessions talking about how the world is going to hate us. And we need to understand that the world is going to hate us because we are not following the patterns of this world. We are not doing the things that the world wants us to do. Because the reality is is a lot of us, even as you think of peer pressure, it's so easy to be following the, the patterns of this world, to be following the things that people want you to do and to be accepted by them. But the reality is that when we consider what God's Word says, that we need to be different. As, as we consider to just be accepted by those who we are around, that at the end of the day, they're, not, they're only going to be our friends when we do the things that they want us to do. We need to ask ourselves, who am I willing to please? Who am I willing to, to identify with? Am I willing to identify with those people who really don't have my back, who are really just you know there to that like me when I do what they want? Or do I have people in my life that are encouraging me to live and pursue this life of holiness that God wants me to do? And we need to really ask ourselves that because I think too many times, as you think of, of, of students, it's so easy in school to just follow the crowd, to be the person that does what everyone else wants, to, wants me to do. But we need to understand that God is saying, Jesus is saying here that, you know, once you follow the world, the world's going to love you to death. But if you follow me, the world's not going to love you. It's going to hate you. Verse 15 even says this, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I think this is very important, and I think that we want to just close, and as we think of this is the last verse, we're going to look at this morning, because I think that this has so much for us to think about. Jesus is not saying that I want you to take them out of this world, God, my Father. I want you you to, you know, keep them from harm and danger. No, he doesn't say that. But he says that he wants them to be in this world to make a difference. He wants them to be protected because he understands that things are going to come in and they're going to be attacked by the evil one. And the question comes to each one of us as born-again believers, whether you're listening to this and you're a student or whether you're an older person, Is this, what are you doing in your job? What are you doing in your school? What are you doing to make a difference, to make an impact? Because God has placed you in that place for a reason. You're not there by mistake. You're not there because it's only by chance, but God has a purpose for you being there. God has a purpose because he created each one of us for a purpose. And I think too many times in our lives, we think that we are to just stay away from all the things that are a uh, worldly because, you know, we don't want to interact with the world. But the, the bottom line is this. We live in a fallen world. We live with people that don't know Christ around us every single day of our lives. The question becomes, how am I making an impact? How am I being called to holiness in that particular area, wherever God has me? Again, as Jesus said, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Again, this is so important for us to think about because I think that as we consider that, that Jesus himself understands that we in this world, that we are going to face trials, we're going to face tribulation, we're going to face problems. He understands that we need protection from his father. And I think that if we had to ask ourselves, who else would we want to be praying on the behalf? As as we think of this, as he's praying for his disciples, he understands that as his disciples are now going to face this world without him. Because they've walked with him, they've seen him live, they've seen how he's performed miracles, and now he's leaving them. Praying for their protection as they go out and preach the gospel. And we understand that as they go out and preach the gospel, many came to know Christ. And as we think of the early church, we understand that God had a purpose. And Christ understood that they would need the protection. And we will pick up, as we leave off here, as we will pick up at verse 16. And I, and I think that we need to understand, if you're listening to this this morning, ask yourself this question. What am I doing in my job? What am I doing in my school? What am I doing in my home? What am I doing as we consider to live a life of holiness? because I think that as we consider that and if we consider to live a life of holiness, we will consider what we can do for Christ and how we can make an impact wherever God has us. This is Pastor Nicholas. You've been listening to Utah.
0: It's time now for today's personal God story. Well, I'm pleased this morning
1: to have in the radio studio my friend and my brother in Christ, DeWitt Simonette. Good morning, DeWitt. Good morning, Pastor. Ed. Good to have you with us. When you when you were, um, you know, understanding what the punishment was and how hard
3: it was, what were your thoughts
1: about God?
3: Well, you know, Pastor. I saw this business, I said, well, say, say, well, if he's doing this because I lied to him about my mother, uh, she would, I uh, said, you know, I would take it. But, again, you know, um, I went to my people, I went to my people, but to my mother, I'm selling top and baby, which is nine miles away. And and when he found that I was there, he had my grandfather send me back to Roxanne. And told him, see, If you don't have a bad force on Seth, uh, he'll have him locked up and they were put to prison. And well, my grandfather is um, like, He don't want you know, to get involved with that. And he said, Put me on the truck. And then I reached in, in the afternoon, I went and I knocked on the door. His dinner was on the table, pale, like if his poison food. Yeah. So I stood outside about 10 minutes. And then I, then I had the courage, I knocked on the door. He say, who said, that? I said to me, he said, Me who? I said to bed. I say, he said, what do you want? I said, I said, Grandpa told 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 me that you had wired me. He wire, uh, said, Rain i the called him, and told him, say, if, if you don't have me back home, if I don't be back home before sunset, what he would do? So they were on the table, there was uh a butcher knife, could use for V and I don't know I, I got I got I got eighteen, got inch my daddy said to me, "I said, your son of a, you know.'" Bad well, Yeah. He said, "If you don't get out, if you don't get, if you don't get out of my face and, and get me here now, see, I'll take this knife and I will run it through you." Mm-hmm. So there, there I went out into the, uh, the world again. Well, at that time, I was used to being around know, a workshop. So we had a workbench used to be in the yard, and on a workbench, what you do, you, you leave some slots, seams so in case of nails or anything, you drop it going to the ground. So with the shore sails, it's what it does. Yeah, that was my, uh, you know, uh, that's where I was sleep. How was your bed? That was my bed, until the rain.
0: Yeah.
3: Then after the rain, after the rain, you know, if um, uh, you do completely get in the bed, that's not too bad, but when you get in the water coming on you, drop, 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 it's a torture, you know.
2: Yeah.
3: So I leave there, I went there, I left there, and I decided to go home. And uh, the, the outside toilet, I decided to, um, to see if I could make the night. Cause this night it was it was a lot of mosquitoes raining, it was chilly and all that sort of stuff. So I saw light in the house, and I have not been in the house for. So mine told me, my curiosity drove me into the house. When I went to the house, right in the same area where, where, where I was, uh, where, where, which is been be the room when I was, when, I, when uh, you know, when I was sick, there was my father, his shoes still on, then crossed the bed with his, head, his hands on his, his hand on his head. And... Uh, now he had just pulled his knife on me not too long ago, and now what's the devil's going to say to me? We have a mortar, which it's a hard piece of wood, and it's a, it's a bar, like I possibly can be coffee, or you know, you know? And the devil's going to talk to me, and say, this is your chance now. Uh, yeah, take him out. Hmm. Yeah, and pass on am glad to you. God, I heard God, voice as, as natural as a bee was speaking. And the voice said to me, he said, I thy a father and your mother that your days may be long. Mm. Like I say, thank God for Sunday school. Mm. How would I learn the word from a child? Yes. I could have committed that heinous, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, yes. Because Satan will tell you say a life Satan says a life or a life. Yes. But then again, you know, I stood there and I freeze just for of tears and where and where I went where I went for the next eight or nine days, I don't know where. But what does it get to me, father? When I think about the chance I had on my daddy the way he still was treating me. It reminds me, it came back to memory, that when, um, when David was fleeing from Saul. Yes. And Saul finds him sleep in the caves. And all the way he does, he take up his own sword and cuts off a lock, you know, so you see, I couldn't kill you. So you see, Pastor, so so when you talk about forgiveness, when you talk about, oh, look, regardless of who it is, or what he may have done, uh, at the end of the day, as God has forgiven us, He's has forgiven us, so we have to forgive. Yes. It's painful sometimes, you know, <clears throat> but uh, I would say, but I keep telling my wife, if it wasn't for the Lord in my life, I don't know where it would, but it be. Mm-hmm. He's been my father. He's been my mother. Mm-hmm. He's been yeah, yeah. I used to keep my, I had a pair cocky. Pants short and a pair of dungarees short. And it was a dilly tree, precise, but the tree had ah, a hollow. It had the hollow. Uh, it was hollow inside the travel side to keep them up. Uh, two pieces there. the, ah, uh, uh, listen, this made it sound a blessing. But I was wetting a bed. When I say wetting a bed, and I'm going to tell you, even though I was out there with, with the lizards and probably the centipedes and the snakes and all of that, mm-hmm. once I found a canvas or a piece of uh, or the engine or something like that, I would get under there with uh, you know, with, you know, mm-hmm. and even to all of that. Yes, I would find myself peeled up. I get up early in the morning or go I walk out in the sea and just be through the water and and, and make folks believe you know that I was you know yeah yeah. but what I'm saying is even 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 though and, and those condition, God kept me yes you know and uh I have a lot to be thankful for mm. and um and when I tell you I approve every day it's like it's sweeter than the day before mm. And what I'm hoping and what I'm doing now, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking to let my life be like a light along the seaside or the seashore, where there's some sailors or some seamen out there trying to find a harbor. Yes. And, 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 and yes, all you need sometimes is just a little beacon of light. Mm. Even, even with the air, even, even with the if there's not some light at some points. Uh, uh, they don't know where they are. Yes. So you, know, you are telling an amazing story, amazing uh, story
1: of God's uh, faithfulness, God's protection,
0: yes, God's grace, such that you could forgive your dad for how he was toward you. You have been listening to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Due to concerns regarding COVID-19, we will not have a worship service today at our location on Collins Avenue. Instead, we will be streaming our service online this morning at 10.30 a.m. You can gain access to this service at www.calvarybible.org.bs Or you can find us at CBC Body on Facebook. Our stream will also be held there. We encourage your comments, and you can write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com. Or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs the Savior.